0: Coming to you live from the Morningstar Mission Sponsor Studios, this is Carl and Crew Mornings on 90.1 FM Moody Radio.
1: All right, here we go, guys. Good morning, top of the morning. It's good to have everyone here with us today. We've already been rolling in hour one, and now we're in hour two. uh, Boom Crew. This is Ask the Experts Week, and boy, have we got a couple for you today. We need to get these questions rolling in. We don't have them in yet, but we're ready for you.
2: Your questions about marriage, dating, relationships, primarily marriage, but if you're an engaged couple, you can throw yours our way as well. We'll ask them to our guests. Text them 312-274-9624. Text your questions for Gary and Barb Rosberg, 312 312- Two seven four nine six two four.
1: Well, let's come out of the shoot this hour hot. I don't want to pitch one to you guys here while folks are getting their questions in. What's the greatest enemy of intimacy in marriage today? I'm going to start with Barb. Secrets. Ooh.
3: Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Couples that um, that are married, dating. Maybe there are those that are listening that are living together. When you go to experience the intimacy that a couple is supposed to experience in marriage, and yet if you're holding back a secret Hmm. that could defraud your marriage relationship, Hmm. I mean, it kills you. And though you think it's better to stay away from opening up, being vulnerable, being courageous— learning what transparency can really reward you with, as long as you keep that secret, it has power over you and dominion.
4: Yeah. Yeah, we were having dinner with a couple that's been married 20 years, and uh, she got pregnant in high school. Um, He was in college playing uh, big-time football at a school that everyone knows and follows, and they had the baby um, and within months came to a marriage conference we did. And they came up to us at a donor event recently, and we said, let's have dinner. And they wanted to tell us their story. And they said they walked in there, uh, brand new, trying to figure out how to do marriage. They didn't have a clue. And Barb said that from the platform, that secrets will kill your marriage. Hmm. He said, Gary, we had a tough three days after that. Wow. Because we had a face off. Do we talk about the things that we have held back? And he said, because of you, we've got a great marriage because we started with that. But we said it no matter what the stage is, when you carry secrets, just when you do reach in, Carl, to physical intimacy, to yeah. emotional intimacy, and very important, Allie, into spiritual intimacy, the enemy just rears his stuff back up and starts haunting us and shaming us because we're holding something back. And so Barb and I coach it, and it's brutal. I mean, it's brutal. But when we hold things back, and we're trying to have that kind of intimacy with Christ and experience the covenant of marriage. Now, you don't just go blurt it out. right? So we tell people, get wise counsel. But secrets are the core, I think, of eroding the, the desire that God has for us in the intimacy of a healthy, godly marriage. Yeah, there's so many layers to this thing, for there's sure. There's a lot of layers to I mean, it. so many.
2: So what kind of secrets are you talking about? Because uh, people's mind immediately go to, are we talking about some sort of hidden affair or relationship at work? Obviously, those kind of secrets. Or are you talking about, more, you said there's layers to it. Take us through what you mean by secrets. Well,
4: Allie, a, a guy named Tom Eisman wrote a book, Temptations Men Face. It's a NAV Press book. Um, it, it's worth a read for every guy as well as women. And he says that there are 12 steps to an affair. The 11th step is capitulation. So that's when sexual intercourse occurs. Um, He said, but the first 10 steps really can be kind of blown off as, well, nothing's going on. But it's the erosion of the guardrails that God wants us to place. And so it starts with an alertness. All of a sudden, you're just kind of alert to somebody within, or a temptation around finances, or a temptation around holding back business secrets. It can be a lot of secrets. And then as time goes on, you, you go from this awareness and this alertness to innocent meetings and then intentional meetings and then non-sexual touch and then sexual touch. And so when I teach this from platforms or from preaching, I've taught it in preaching, you can look a guy in the eyeballs and that guy can say nothing is going on because there hasn't been the culmination of something with a sexual uh, deal. And, and so we erode with yeah. that. Yeah, but we erode when we tell ourselves lies. <laughs> we erode when we, when we shame, when we carry the shame that God has released from us at the cross. I mean, the erosion of yeah. that is is that's devil's that's his primary operande to try uh, to get
1: us. I, last night, I was talking with my son about he'd watched the uh, he'd watched a docu series on Bernie Madoff, mm. who is famous for having mm-hmm. died in federal prison at eighty two. A son died of cancer, another son committed suicide, and his wife Ruth is still alive. And my son said, Dad, if you want to pray for someone every night, pray for Ruth Madoff. And I said, what do you mean, Cabe? And he goes, Dad, this woman was blindsided. Now, here's what's interesting, and, I, and I, this is a dramatic example of how hiddenness can get you in trouble. The market collapsed in 87 and Madoff was faced with the choice. Do I tell the truth and lose my credibility as the man, or do I tell a lie? And he continued to concoct lie after lie, and it got deeper and deeper and deeper. Yeah. Now, that's a dramatic example of what happens sexually, financially. And, you know, it starts innocently, doesn't it, guys? It, it, it
4: does. Yeah, I mean, no guy wakes up in Chicago, Illinois, on a March seventh morning it says, I'm gonna mess up the rest of my life today. Yeah. yeah. We, 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 I don't think I think very rarely do people leap into sin. No. We, it's a we, slow we leak. into sin. Howard <laughs> Hendricks, right? It's yeah. a slow leap, baby. Leak. <laughs> Never and, a blowout. No, and, and and it's an erosion. And and I'm guilty of it as well. I mean it it so when we when we buy something that is not God's best for us, it's not what he's calling us to do. It's it's not the peeling of the way, the encumbrances. But it is the shiny object yeah. that we look at. And it's financial stuff. It's decision-making. It's pride. It's ego. It. I mean, we all carry it. It's shortcuts. Yeah. And it's taking shortcuts. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Boy, this has a lot of layers to it. and I've got a ton of comments and questions here.
2: Yeah, let's set one up. Uh, we'll tackle this one here in a minute. How can I encourage my, or excuse me, no, I want to get back to this one because it deals with secrets. This is somebody who found out a 17-year secret A husband doing drugs behind your back, and he gets help. He confesses he feels like God has changed him. He's had a slip up. What do I do? Do I forgive and support and trust that God will work through this, and he will eventually never do this again? Or is it time that I seek a divorce?
1: Boy, this is good stuff, guys. Jumping in, top of the 6 o'clock hour in the the deep end. I was believing this morning when I got up that God's going to do a good work Mm -hmm. in your life today. I'm talking to you right now. You. And you know what? He's doing it already, isn't he? Let's let God have his way today.
0: Get your info from a source you can trust. It's Ask the Experts Week with Carl and Crew Mornings.
1: All right, we teed this up with a question that's kind of opened up. I mean, the top six o'clock hour here, we're off and rolling. We're talking about how destructive secrets are with our experts today, Dr. Gary and Barb Rosberg. They are... America's Family Coaches, by the way, if you want to find out more about them, americasfamilycoaches.com, americasfamilycoaches.com. That's going to be your keyword today. You can find it. And we got a follow-up question to this one, Allie.
2: Yeah, This. speaking of secrets, this is a wife who found out a 17-year secret her husband had been keeping. He had a drug habit, and he got help. He confessed. He feels like he's changed. Recently had a slip-up. What do I do? Do I forgive and support, or is it time to get out?
4: You know, Allie, um, you support and then you enter into the volitional aspect of forgiveness, but that doesn't come right out of the gate.
2: What do you mean volitional aspect of forgiveness?
4: We need to choose to forgive. Uh, years ago, I was coaching a, a couple. Um, and Ashley, the, 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 earlier in the day, I was coaching a dad and a teenage son. The teenage son was giving the dad heartburn. It reminded me of me giving my dad heartburn growing up in Waukegan, Illinois. And uh, the dad was exasperated. The kid was exasperated. <clears throat> and they sat with me, and the dad said, I want to forgive him. And I said, how can you forgive him with the offenses that he has done? There's a lot of stuff that has to happen Amen. before you get to forgiveness.
1: Amen. Forgiveness is a transactional word in Scripture.
4: And it is volitional. It's a choice. You have to choose to do it. But how often do we sit respectfully in a 20-minute sermon, and a guy's trying to preach on forgiveness? And at the end of the sermon, he goes, now everyone bow your heads and forgive for the deep violations of the wounding of your heart, for the abuse from that family member, from the abandonment of a parent, from the sexual breaking, from the, uh, maybe this case where there was drugs and there was all the stuff. And well, I got to choose to forgive. I got to choose to forgive. And people bow their head well-intentioned, with a well-intentioned pastor. Yeah saying choose to forgive, but they get out in the parking lot and they want to wring somebody's neck. Yeah. That's because there are deep wounds. So does she need to stay with him and support? I would say yes. But the forgiveness will come with time, but they got to process the hurt, the betrayal, the fear, the anger. We pray not reach into bitterness and resentment and isolation, but then move spiritually together through communication, through resolving conflict, through getting help and through stepping back into the process uh, with the humility that only God can do. Then they move towards forgiveness. And then, Allie, what Barb and I have learned is when there's a deep violation within a relationship, and your listeners know exactly what that is, and we know what it is, When, when there's that deep hurt and you just say, not again, or how could this happen to us, or not my kid and his spouse, or whatever it is. We have learned that it takes 18 to 24 months to rebuild the trust in the relationship. So this gal probably, after that 17-year secret, chose to forgive. The guy's probably done remarkably well, and he has resisted falling countless times. And he has now hit a hard place. So do you abandon? No, you don't abandon. But do you keep your eyes wide open and go low? in your relationship with Christ in humility because God wants to restore that relationship, Mm -hmm. but it's going to be a a long road
1: home. Okay. Really quick. Let's follow this up. Uh, Because some men are more inclined to say, I ask for forgiveness. Why won't you forgive me? I think uh, we need to talk to them in particularly men, but this happens with women as well, particularly men who say I'm broken. I'm blowing snot out of both nostrils. The time, there is time that needs to be given. I've heard this so many times from men. My wife won't forgive me. And I'm like, brother, there's a violation of trust here that takes time to rebuild. What are the biggest rebuilding components when a man has confessed sin?
4: Well, I think, Carl, Barb and I talk about four steps um, to forgiveness. And this sounds trite even saying it like that. But if you, if you extricate any of the four, it cheapens it. Uh, the first one is the confession. So when I and say... be about, clear. Yeah, I am wrong. Yeah. And, and clear about what? So what is the behavior? Where is there a conviction in the heart of Gary Rossberg where I need to confess it and say, I am wrong? And you start there. And then you say what our mom and dad told us to say when you, get, when you bust the chops of your neighbor or your little brother or whatever. They say, well, say you're sorry. Well, we're not sorry. We're just sorry because we got busted. So, if we say if we start with "I am wrong," that's the behavior number two. I am sorry. That, that's a constructive sorrow that Paul writes about. Yes. Then number three is what distinguishes us as biblical Christians, and it is called repentance. Yeah. Right on, brother. And I was teaching a bunch of military up at Fort Drum in New York in January. So don't go to Fort Drum in New York in January. <laughs> Unless um, you're speaking indoors. Yeah, it was just mountains of snow, and that's where they trained the guys in the white suits to be snipers and stuff. But a young 19-year-old private said, Dr. Osberg, do you know what we call repentance in the Army? And I said, what soldier? He said, we call it an about face. Hmm. And, and then he stood up, and there were several hundred soldiers in there, and he stood up. And he said, this is what it looks like. And he's marching in a direction. He said, when God convicts a man and he stops and he turns, but he said, Dr. Rossifer, we don't just turn. Do you know what we do next? And I had no idea. I said, what? And he said, we march in another direction. Yeah, that's right on. That's That's biblical biblical repentance. That's biblical repentance. Turn around. I am wrong. I am sorry. And when I exercise biblical repentance with my bride of almost 48 years this June, it's Barb, I don't ever, ever, ever want to hurt you again like I hurt you. So could there be some snot coming out of the nose? Could there be some tears? Yes, but it's a remorse that isn't just caught up in the moment. Uh, It's a long sense of that kind of surrender. And then it's the question, will you forgive me? Right. And we often go to Revelation 3.20, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone opens it, I will come in and dine with him. And as believers and followers of Christ, that's the repentance scripture you know, that we yes. often use. So this isn't biblical interpretation, it's application. But when you knock at that door, when I knock at Barb's door, I mean, I'll make it just between us. When I knock at Barb's door, because I know I've hurt her, I've wounded her, I've done something stupid again, and God's convicted me. Um, because I don't want to dishonor God and certainly don't want to dishonor Barb, but I don't want to dishonor God. And when that work is done and I say, will you forgive me? It opens up the door to move close and to be in a crazy way like a God with skin on. And when that forgiveness is granted, the key to this alley, and it's for that that couple, is the rebuilding of the trust. And that takes, we've learned, a year and a half, two years sometimes until the resiliency the flow, the ease, the laughter starts to come. Yeah, And Carl, most guys, and I'm with you, and, and, and I've done this for a long time. Most guys, when they offend, they get angry. They skip over the hurt and stuff. They get angry, and then they want to fix it. Yeah. And they want, they want I said, forgive me. You know, will you forgive me? Why won't you forgive me? They go to that. We go to that in our flesh. But God wants to do a much deeper work. Yeah,
1: I'm working with a couple right now. It's a, it's a flip side. The woman went and, and she had a, uh, frankly, the nature of the infidelity was so ravaging to this guy's soul. She wanted to see this marriage restored quickly. Yeah. And my bride and I let her know this is going to be a long walk out yeah. of Georgia here, young lady. Yeah, And you know what's really cool? I saw the guy on Sunday put my arm around him. I said, how you doing? He says, I'm warming up. There you go. I'm warming up, but um, I almost cry thinking about it. Well, you should but cry thinking about it. It doesn't, it doesn't happen overnight. That's the point. And if you're listening right now going, Oh, how long will this be? Don't look at the journey. Keep your eyes on the reward. Cause
4: baby, it's going to be good down
1: the road, right? Guys? Well,
4: and what Barb Osberg says is you're one day closer. To today healing. right you're one day <laughs> you're <laughs>
1: one day closer okay we've got a lot of questions coming in and a lot of you are just listening you're going oh i want to get my question in. here's what i want to promise you ali is so good at this she's going to batch these things together and even if they're somewhat similar we'll tackle some of the big boys here this morning father thank you that you're at work here today and we give you praise you are a good god and we thank you man god you're
0: on the move here this morning Everything you need to start your day right. You're listening to Carl and Crew Mornings. Quick reminder, we still
2: have signups going for a prayer crew for share. If you are willing to join our crew, pray for 30 minutes, whether it's on your drive, in your kitchen, wherever you happen to be. If you're willing to pray, listener supported stations. So we value your prayer, your financial support. Text the word crew to 312 274 Nine six two four. Text the word "crew" to three one two two seven four nine six two four. Yeah, and
1: I promise you this one: we got Young Thunder. He's he's ready to rumble. Mm-hmm. You're gonna you're gonna call the prayers in next half hour. Okay, okay. that sounds good. All right, I'm here. This I'm is ready. For one of the most unusual fun. Joyful things you can ever imagine. Young Thunder yeah. calling in the prayers. That's Park right, Arkansas Park. Razorback style. That's right. Get we're going to do that. That's we coming no up. Idea. Okay, we're going back here to the questions.
2: Well, we have a husband and wife who are divided over finances. One, can consi- the husband considers himself the earner. He says she's the spender. She has not worked since COVID. She isolates at home, and it's taking a toll on the marriage. What do you say?
4: Yeah. Well yeah you know it's interesting Allie. we we did call on radio uh, with Salem and Ambassador for fifteen years daily. And when we would get- wait a
3: minute, no, no, no. It was 23 years.
4: Well, it was 23 years. WHO. <laughs> but who's counting? Yeah, it was dog years. I think. There were
3: seven years that didn't count. Yeah. You know?
4: yeah, well, those were really bad. I did bad radio on those years. But, um, Sorry, that's funny. Fact, I they, was
3: an eyewitness.
4: All right. In fact, they called it the Barb Rosberg and his name show. So no, yeah, oh, I was good watching. morning, I'll everybody. I'll bet, I'll, bet, um, I'll bet money was a big issue. It's a huge issue, and we would usually default to Dave Ramsey. Is what that's right, 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 right? (laughs) And and we know Dave a little bit, and we'd say, Dave, we're sending them to you. Money is not that issue, Allie. Yeah. Now, that being said, financial stress and deep uh, career and pain in the workplace are two of the main things that erode the health of a marriage. So, when a woman is really hurting in her job, when a guy's really hurting in his job, and there is financial stress, or financial stress. Those we need to figure out a way to alleviate that kind of pressure. Mm -hmm. So that couple ultimately doesn't have a money issue. They've got, and it's not just a communication issue, but they've got to put a lot of this stuff in the light. I mean, they need bleach on this. I mean, no, no secrets. Uh, They got to come up with a strategy and a plan, just like a radiologist does when they throw that uh, x-ray thing up there and you look at it together and you can see it. So I would say they need sunlight on their finances. They need a coach that gets finances, decision-making, how do you set this, and then they need to start to see the little wins and celebrate the little wins because those will turn into the big wins. And guys like Dave Ramsey and Financial Peace University, we think are really good go-to groups because that couple's got, there's no way in the world that couple has a reason. They don't have a biblical reason for divorce. So if they came to Barb and I as marriage coaches or me when I was doing counseling, we would say there's not, there's not a, there's nothing here to divorce. Yeah. Now there is something here to divorce us from these, these things that are killing us, mm-hmm. but we got to join together and do that in unity. Yeah. But they need help and they need someone that loves them and will saddle up with them and walk through it.
2: Yeah. So what about this isolation piece? One spouse is isolating the sleeping in different rooms uh, on different schedules. I mean, the money is almost tangential uh, to two spouses kind of coexisting
3: but living separate Absolutely. lives. You yeah. know, um, in one of our books, Divorce Proof Your Marriage, and I think it's also under the title of The Six Secrets of a Lasting Love, We talk about the entropy that can happen to your marriage. I mean, anything we don't take care of will die. It's the natural course of relationships, of taking care of ourselves, et cetera. Mm. So you can start at the dream marriage and it can go down to an entropy where at the end of the marital map in this book, we talk about two people living under the same roof, but really living separate lives. This couple that, that called in to, with this question is living probably in discord. And when there is a spirit of discord, and I think we need to examine this spiritually, God loves it when we live with a spirit of unity. And I, I thought, oh, I'm so glad we're coming up to a break because I love the verse in Psalm 133 that says, how good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. The Lord loves that. goes on. He describes it as it's like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down upon the collar of his robes. It is of the dew of Hermon worth falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessing. And you know what I wrote in the, my my Bible right here? I said November 1st, 2022, Moody Radio, Carl and the crew. <laughs> <laughs> so when we were on last, we I think that was Allie. Uh, it must have been <laughs> Allie, but and Carl too. God longs for us to experience the blessing yeah. that has resulted from seeking unity. Yeah. Pressing into our pain. Yes. Pushing through, pushing out what is dividing us.
1: Yeah, that is good we got more questions and so many, and some of you have them on your heart. We want you to be bold. We will not shout out the last four numbers of your phone number. Sometimes you go, don't you shout out last four numbers? Only when we're (laughs) wanting to acknowledge you, not when we want you to remain anonymous. But if you've got a question, we want them in here right now.
2: Text us at 312-274-9624.
1: Allie, we've got a question here that a lot of people go, oh, I need the answer to that one, too.
2: How do I encourage my <laughs> husband, this text says, to help more around the house and with the kids and teens without nagging? So, Barb, you had a funny oh, question. Oh, I your, looked at Gary. Your I, husband.
3: Thought, I mean, I, we've been married almost 48 years so I'm going back to the first decade. When, 48 years. Barbara. I know. Now listen, you're not distracting me right Sheesh. now. He's dangling the keys. But you would come home. I mean, you know, we had these two little perfect little da- daughters. And anyway, I'm not going to go there because they are mothers of 12 right now. but And they're working very hard. But in the home, Gary would come home and I would have this complete list of all these wonderful things he could do for me mm-hmm. to help organize our home. And, and the word encourage that your listener yeah. uh, texted in it, i thought inc- yeah encourage. i did the encouragement too but it turned into nagging when i did not get the results that i was needing what happened gary what happened to you because the man who you were then you were well intended you were really well intended but by golly you're a different man today <laughs> i mean the man that he is today like he's oh what can i do do you want me to fold the towels? come
1: on hunk of burning but, okay, love so, what changed hunk
4: of hunk burning what, what
3: happened well, you've got the answer to this
4: one. Well, you know, I'm I'm gonna just like I mentioned Dave Ramsey, I, I gotta give credit <laughs> where credit is due. So uh, Shanti Feldon. Yeah. I don't know if you have had Shanti and yeah, Jeff. We, on. Yeah, we have. And and we're good friends. And we went to their marriage conference several months ago. April. Uh, in April. A and year ago. Uh, and we showed up and they were like, What are you guys doing here? You know, you're we're we help kind of help them along the way or something. And we said, We're here just to take notes, you know, we're gonna sit in the back row, kinda, and and I took great notes. And Shanti nailed something in their most recent research. Yeah, she's a massive researcher yeah, Harvard that, that uses empirical data to prove That's what's going gym. on in relationships. And they said, we're not marriage counselors, we're not pastors, we're not therapists, but we do research. And Jeff is priceless. I mean, they are awesome. Yeah, they're amazing. And uh, so Shanti said they identified the two words that every man needs to hear. And, and I'm sitting there looking at the going, what are they going to say? And she said, the two words are thank you. Hmm. And she said she was speaking to a thousand women and she was giving them a little peek into some of their research and they are, they just had a new book come out and on sex. People need to get that book. And she said, um, she said that and a woman stood up, she was in about the fourth or fifth row and, you know, when you're speaking and somebody stands up and starts to walk out. Oh, yeah. Even if there's a thousand people. <laughs> yeah, it's weird to thing. People don't know this, but you can see everything. Oh, you see it. And, yeah. and you're distracted. Right. And so, you know, Shanti thought, well, she must not like that. And she walks out. Well, she comes up at the end of the message and she goes, I didn't walk out because I was frustrated with you. She said, let me tell you what happened this morning. She said, I came to this women's conference and my husband had a big, tall ladder and he was in the foyer of the house and he was hanging a light in the hallway that had been in a box in the garage for a year. And he was oh. working on it. And she said it was a five curse word morning. And I thought that is real. Yeah, that's real. real. And he's been working on it for an hour and he's sweating because it's not his deal. But he was doing it because it was her deal. And she walks out and she goes, I'm going to the women's conference. And he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, she calls him. The guy gets off the ladder, comes down, picks up the phone. What do you, what do you want? Why are you calling me? She said, thank you. And he goes, thank you. And she goes, thank you. And he goes, for what? You're hanging that light. You're spending your morning doing something. I just want to say thank you. And the guy immediately said, well, honey, is there something else you want me to do? (laughs) And yeah, no, no, that, listen, that is so true. It's huge. And, and so we're quoting Shanti, but we're, we're sharing that with people, especially people, Barb. Younger in their marriages,
3: younger and older. If you really want to break through that misunderstanding, thank you. I mean, when she said that, I jumped out of my seat and I, I turned to Gary You went go, to call me, but I was sitting all there. All the way next home from from the conference, I'm going. Thank you, Gary. And <laughs> and so as he does, truly, he folds my laundry. Like, thank you. And and a lot of women, you're you're talking to yourself saying, "I fold the laundry five out of you know."
4: Six times. Six times, exactly.
3: <laughs> and I'd like the word thank you. Well, then say thank you. Get this going in your marriage. Somebody's got to start yeah. it. I, I think but,
4: that's part but, of it, Allie and but Carl. Gary,
3: I, I want to also say that every man and woman, but every man needs to be seen Yeah. by what he is accomplishing in his world, whether it's outside the home or inside the home. He wants to know he is valuable, like every woman, and I am not downplaying women. I'm saying we're speaking about men right now. When you can push the button in his heart, validate him, say thank you. I see you folding the laundry.
4: Well, and and just one other uh, tangential thing to use, Allie's word, Um, don't tell him how to do it. So when he loads (laughs) a dishwasher and he does it wrong in her eyes, don't tell him how to do it. Yeah. Let him do it. If he wipes off the counter, if he sweeps the porch, if he Let if he changes the diaper, if he takes the kid to school, let him do it his way and learn to let go of the expectation of the criticism, criticism, because that becomes a critical voice. And the critical voice in a woman's experience for a man can can shrink and emasculate the spirit of a man. I got a testimony on this one, guys. I'm going to tell you
1: straight up. Um, My wife didn't know this was coming. But yesterday I put up a towel rack that she's been needing in our bathroom for a long time. And I got a hinge fixed. It's a little hinge issue underneath our kitchen sink. Just a little one. So that the little cabinet door is just leaning just a little bit. Mm-hmm. She's like, my bride called me this morning on the way here. She said, listen, this is what I want you to tell Gary and Barb because she, we were good friends with mm-hmm. you guys. But she said, I need to tell you. Thank you, Bob. Wow. Isn't that funny? Oh. We love you, but, but here's what that did. Here's what that did. Because here's what it does. Truly. You know what happened in a man's heart and mind? Yeah. I started going through true story. What can I do today? What else? Yeah. Isn't that funny? No. So Ju- it's proof.
3: I'm going to say something. Junan. you ought to see his face right now. Get your list <laughs> out, honey.
1: <laughs> now, let me tell you something. My wife... Is not afraid of making lists, all right?
2: <laughs> oh, Gary and Barb Rosberg, our guests this morning. Oh, if you it. want to check out some of their resources, go to America's Family Coaches.com.
0: You've got questions, they've got answers. It's Ask the Experts Week with Carlin Crew Mornings
2: got Gary and Barb Rosberg with us this morning as we are an Ask the Expert week. Today, we're tackling marriage. If you have a question, tough question on marriage, we'll keep you anonymous. Just text it in 312-274-9624. This one came in from a longtime married couple married nearly 40 years. They've got kids, a couple grandkids. They're happy. They have fun. But the wife says, I just we just don't have that spiritual intimacy. We go to church together, but the spiritual intimacy is not there.
4: Yeah. Uh, I, I used to speak at Promise Keepers, and, uh, including Soldier Field in 1997. Um, and I would have countless women come up to me, either on radio or at events. Uh, they weren't typically at, at, at those men's events. And say, you know, Gary, I love that you help men, um, both at Cross Trainers, our men's deal in Des Moines, as well as PK and these places. And you write to men. I would do anything to have the intimacy with my husband that I see my husband have with other guys. Huh. And hmm. I thought about that so often. And I think about it, Allie, now as you ask that, that question, when a woman is yearning for that spiritual intimacy and Barb's going to weigh in on this. But the one thing that I want to say is most guys, starting with Gary Rosberg, uh, when I met Barb, I think you knew like three verses or, you know we were just outside the Jesus Revolution so it was 1973. So we had we came to Christ well, right And
3: you when you say you thought I knew three verses
4: Well, I didn't you know thought, any.
3: But you thought that was like the whole Bible. I know. I, I mean, it, that's it, what we're talking about.
4: I mean, Barb came to Christ and, and then I met her and I wanted really nothing to do with Jesus. I just wanted something to do with this with Barb. <laughs> beautiful girl that just transferred into our school and I was like yippee Ikay what was, yeah. was what I was thinking. And, uh, and then Barb started to share with me, and I remember, Allie and Carl, I just remember so vividly thinking I could never approximate her experience with Jesus the way she does. I mean, she is, I mean she's memorized verses. I mean, she, she'll initiate prayer. She'll say, let's go to church. I mean, she'll, and I felt inadequate. A lot of guys sense this inadequacy. So they don't lean into spiritual intimacy out of strength. They usually lean into spiritual intimacy when they're on their face over failure or setback or hurt or fear. And our wives, it's kind of like the last question. You can't critically draw or pull a man into spiritual intimacy. It's got to be done when he's got a teachable spirit. It's guys that get surrounded by other guys. So it's a local church, Carl. It's what happens when men, you know, shoulder up with other guys. Yeah. And they see it modeled. And then what Barb and I teach, and we've taught it all over the world, is the simplest way to connect um, in conversational prayer. And it's something that is foundational in our teaching and modeling in helping marriages. And uh, we we model it. And and we've done it, you know, Malaysia and Singapore and Africa and all over the world, modeled and showed people how to pray and had more people come back and go, that takeaway is the most empowering thing because we just don't know how to do it. Yeah. The, the pressure that men
1: feel. Yeah. I mean, look, at the end of the day, a man has to get broken. Yeah. I mean, there's no, there's no shortcut for that. No they shortcut. don't get cajoled or talked into devotion to Jesus Christ, so they got to get broken. But Barb, what does a woman, how does a woman posture herself so that she doesn't feel that, he does not feel that pressure to be a man that he, frankly, is not.
3: Oh, Carl, I wish I could give you the one, two, three step, and it would be so clear, just like a plan to follow Jesus. Yeah, wouldn't that be good? it's messy. And marriage is messy. And we come into the marriage, and we hope for the best. But oftentimes, those are hard days. I mean, life is hard in this dark world. So get down on your own knees. I say this to every one of us as women. And if there's anyone listening, allow yourself to go right to your knees and just talk to the Savior as though he's your very best friend. Because he is. He is. And share everything that's on your heart. Get it all out. Write it all out. Just write it all out and then tear it up and let the Lord surrender it to the Lord. But then tell him what's on your heart about yourself. Confess your sins, the Bible says, to one another and pray for one another, for the prayers of the righteous man availeth much. Uh, We will pray for you today. We will pray for those of you that are listening as we drive home today, but we will lift you up before the Lord and we will leave room for God to work in your heart. I talk to you as a woman because you have to leave room for God in your marriage with your husband. Let God be God in your husband's heart. There's a channel. There is a room for God, and only God can work in that chamber of his heart. You can set the tone. You can set the spiritual tone and pray over your own heart, your own home, your own marriage, but allow God to be God in your husband's life.
1: I got to tell you something right now. Mm -hmm. That is pure power right there. That's where the power is. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I've been uh, doing a series down at 180 Chicago called Below the Waterline, Unseen Things That Change Mm -hmm. Everything. It's about spiritual disciplines. But the interesting thing about real transformation is that there there has to come a time where you have these gut-honest conversations with God. And oftentimes we have conversations in our head, conversations with ourselves, conversations with friends. But Barb, i got to tell you, sister— That laying it out, you look at the great psalmist, you look at the great prophets, you look at Elijah, he's like, God,
4: where are you? Where are you?
1: And I'll tell you what, it was the cry of the soul in a cave that God showed him. I'm in this whisper. Whisper. Yeah. Okay. We got another question coming up Yeah, a quick
2: definitional one for someone who's going, what does spiritual intimacy mean? I do not understand this concept. I'm married to an unbeliever. I don't know what you mean by spiritual intimacy. Can you it, just in a quick window answer what that means?
4: Well, it's t- typically what we will say. We wrote a book, The Five Love Needs of Men and Women. So how do men meet women's needs? How do women meet husbands' needs? But what we say is if you just do that behaviorally in the horizontal relationship and you don't do that out of the vertical relationship where the power comes from that Barb and Carl just mentioned, then you're it's for naught. So there's all sorts of behavioral psychologists that write books on how to meet each other's needs. And there's some Christian guys that write books on that, but it's not filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. So what we would say is the spiritual intimacy is that vertical relationship with Jesus Christ that is sold out, that is surrendered, that experiences conviction of sin. And we seek the Lord and the creator of the universe as the one that fills our heart. And then the spillover, alley of that relationship for the guy and that relationship for the woman then spills into spiritual intimacy of the connection of two broken people, both pursuing the power of God. That's good. And so if this gal is married to an unbeliever, she, and I say this with deep love, she she likely doesn't know what spiritual intimacy is for him or for them, but she does for herself.
2: That's good.
0: Whether it's number one or 100... Take that step with Jesus today. You're listening to Carl and Crew Mornings. Okay,
1: guys, we are in a week called Ask the Experts today. Dr. Gary and Barb Rosberg, by the way, if you want information on them, great resources, go to americasfamilycoaches.com, americasfamilycoaches.com. We're going to get some questions in right now. A wife
2: who has growing resentment toward her husband. When something stressful comes up, he turns to alcohol, makes reckless decisions. Sometimes he disappears for more than a day. I react in anger out of fear of what his decisions could lead to. When he comes home, he's sorry. He knows he didn't make the right decision, but I don't feel he truly understands how his actions affect me.
4: Well, he, I mean, quite simply, uh, Ellie, he's just, he is doing what his flesh knows how to do. So when a guy gets backed into a corner, he's got a repertoire of behavior. And what I tell guys is when they go below the waterline, yeah, to your point, that's when guys invariably screw up. So when we go subterranean, when a guy goes subterranean, he's at, he's at incredible risk, and he doesn't only need a wife to come alongside of him, he needs men that love him enough that they're not impressed with him. Yeah. And that's what I def- that's why I love Carl, cuz Carl and I are good good friends and have been friends for a long time. Carl will speak truth into me and I'll speak it into you brother because I love you. Yeah, And I care more about you as you care about me and God finding us faithful than whether or not we're going to, you know, enjoy each other in a discussion if there ever was. And we've never had one of those hard discussions, right. but we know we can because we build the relationship for the times that the storms come. Yeah. That guy needs a guy that loves him enough that isn't going to blow smoke when the storm comes. So instead of saying, I'm in a jam, I've made a financial decision, I've got a temptation, there is a guy that is on roto call, or whatever you call that thing, 24 hours a day that you can reach out to and just say, I'm here, let's go have a cup of coffee, and let me just be the pressure release valve for you, and know that that guy knows Christ, because that guy doesn't bring Christ and some other, if he brings some higher power to it, you're up a crick. So you need Jesus Christ. That's yes. the only higher power that you need. Because short of that, you better come up with something better. And there's nothing better. So I think what it means is you build the cadre of safe guys in the good times as well as the tough times. Because a wife needs the strength of the masculinity of another man. Because, and I'm and this is a gender issue for me, a woman's femininity, she, she can do it. And you've got countless listeners that are doing it. I mean, they can be both mom and dad. They can do that stuff. But at that bottom line, at the end of the day, it's not God's design. And that's why we need a man and a woman in a relationship. And we need strong men that love us. we need strong men. It's interesting. I forget who the gentleman was that was in here just a couple of months ago,
1: Allie. It was Mr. Washington. He had uh, been a big PK speaker. Yeah, Raleigh. Yeah, Raleigh. Raleigh. Yeah, I know Raleigh forever. Oh, that's funny. this This is of the Lord then. Raleigh challenged me. He got up and got out of here, and he looked at me because I was talking. He made a bold statement sitting right where you guys are. And he said, you know what? You want to see this country turned around? We need men's ministry again. Yeah. He said, we have put men on a shelf. And he said, "That's if I could do anything at all to see restoration in our families, homes, and country, it would be Let's get men being men
4: again. Well, Raleigh has done it. I, I mean, we were shoulder to shoulder for 15 years with PK. And when God speaks to a guy like Raleigh in Washington and gives him that kind of a conviction and he proclaims that over you, you know what? He's right, yeah. Carl. And, and he's a good guy to saddle up with um, because he's got the history and he's got the capacity and he's got the well, wisdom. Let me tell you something. That
0: brother is rich in faith. Coming to you live from the Morningstar Mission Sponsored Studios, this is Carl and Crew Mornings on 90.1 FM Moody Radio.
1: What a week, guys, and we've just begun. Dr. Gary and Barbara Osberger here today. They, are, they can be found. A lot of great content, tons of books, great resources, americasfamilycoaches.com, americasfamilycoaches.com, and we're asking them as experts to talk about love and marriage.
2: So we have this one from a guy who says, yep, I've messed up. I know that there's doubt, deceit. There's things that have hurt my wife and my daughter, but I want to lean back in. I'm broken. How do I fix this marriage?
4: Well, you know, Allie, you would say to guys when they would call our show, they would say, my wife is leaning out. I'm leaning in. You would ask them what their wife was saying.
3: Yes. What, what did your wife tell you she needed a year ago? Go back 12 months. Because more than likely, she was probably leaning in, and she might have been saying to you, honey, we need more date nights. Honey, we need to have more conversation. Honey, we need more. And you can kind of go back in your memory. Your wife is your expert, and she's the one you need to listen to her voice. You know why you married her, but she is your expert. Gary, I was thinking a minute ago. The women
1: out there are just going nuts right now, <laughs> going, that's right. I am the
3: expert. <laughs> that's but Dr. Barber. That's
1: right. She is. No, you, yeah. I
3: know you agree. Oh, I do. I, I know you My do. My
1: bride is the best expert speaking into me Is what I need to do as a man. And no when doubt.
3: We have had dinner with you, and I watch. I observe you both. When June Ann speaks, honestly, you are like, you are on it. You are listening. Your whole f- your face changes, Carl.
1: I'm glad to hear this. Yeah. This is a very good report,
4: Beck.
3: <laughs> Junanne, are you listening? You no, know,
4: <laughs> you know, she's listening. Go ahead. Uh, the other thing I would say is a marriage is a system. It's an it's an organism. It's a it's live. So invariably, when one person is leaning in, the other one leans out. So if this guy has been convicted, what I would say to him is, you lean in and you keep going. Do not back away and don't lord it over her. Don't be a brute. Don't be That's not the deal. But go low, serve her, be consistent, do it unto the Lord, and watch your marriage start to heal. Okay, we're going to go
1: with some fast ones here. Somebody texted in how this is a neat story. Been married over 30 years. I have a great
4: husband. I have no desire sexually. Can you help me? Yeah. Well, uh, we did a book called The Five Sex Needs of Men and Women. And uh, the researcher was good, but the lab work was unbelievable, Carl. Oh,
1: That's oh my word! Oh, That's that yeah, not going anywhere
4: but you, Carl. Barb. Oh, Barb, you need word. to whip this guy into shape. All right, keep going, Gary. <laughs> and so, what we would we would ask the question of women: What do you love about sex, and what can't you stand about sex? Fascinating. Okay. Uh, responses. They said one of the things that they can stand is that they're too pooped to pop. They're yeah. worn out. Yeah. So then we would ask women, when you do have sex, do you enjoy sex? And the vast majority of women said yes. It's just that they're not thinking about it. Now, most husbands are sitting back and they're on the highway right now going, what do you mean she's not thinking about it? She's married to me. You know, I'm this big stud or whatever. But she's just not thinking about it. She's not thinking about it. So what we have learned is when a woman initiates and she knows that in that uh, interaction with her husband, that that can bring great pleasure. Most women enjoy it, but they it's just not top of yeah. mind. So yeah. when they initiate, it gives them, and I want to be cautious saying this, but it gives them more of a sense of control. And they need the control because then they can plan, they can hold back energy, they can be anticipatory. And when the guy's anticipatory, if she says, okay, at 7 o'clock, Um, tonight, he'll be home at 645, I guarantee. Yeah. Because there's a sense of connection and a sense of worth and a value. And a man wants to know that he's not the only one thinking about sex. And I'm going
3: to break in here because I think it's good to have a woman's voice. Some of you women, and maybe some of you men too, have never heard that this is a beautiful part of marriage. A God-given beautiful expression of love between one man and one woman. Mm -hmm. It could be you did not hear those messages growing up. It could be that you've been confused by messages of your peer group. It could be a lot of things. But if we can speak into you and give you the wealth and the treasury, that when you experience this oneness and gain in marriage, you can relax and enjoy the blessing.
1: Um, interesting because it was just about uh, three weeks ago. My bride told me, she said, bub, you got to listen to this. Dave and Ann Wilson, who are mutual yeah. friends of ours, uh, who are, uh, they take authenticity. <laughs> <laughs> so we were laying on the bed, had a little radio sitting in, in between us and I'm laying there and I, I roll over and I look at my bride and I go, I am honest, dude. I ain't cheering this stuff on, a uh, Dave's saying stuff that was just. And here's what I want to give you, Boom Crew, that they gave us, and you guys are hitting it. As and there's a lot of folks out there that are around my age, okay, and been married 30 years. Here's the problem. Energy becomes mm. one of our most important commodities. Yeah, absolutely. Not hours in a day. It's just energy, and this is why pre-scheduled times and And men don't get hurt because your wife forgets. don't get hurt. it's okay because when you get in the moment, all the forgetfulness will be gone, yeah, and yeah. it will be rockets bursting in air yeah. but i was I was blown away I think a lot of people need to understand, as dave says and and I've said, you know, I used to keep a scorecard, like what's the national average? I'm beating that sucker every week. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? That's what I was. That's the way men operate. Yeah. yeah. Well, as you get older, and there's a lot yeah. of you listening right now that are getting older, and some of you will be getting older if the Lord tarries, so listen <laughs> up. It's You're going to have to make sure that you reserve energy for the most important things and that you schedule time around that. Yeah.
3: And that's yeah. one of them. In marriage, someone's got to be advocating for the sexual relationship in the marriage.
4: Yeah. Gotta always and, and so forever when, so what we say is when you say no say when
3: don't say ooh, no ooh, ooh, that's no, no. a good Here's that's a deal good, that's good and you know yeah um, that's good and the thing is and I, i'm probably gonna get calls on this but instead of <laughs> saying no say when so for instance if if you're one of you is super amorous and ready to go like let's right now bring it barb and so i'm staying focused here you say sweetheart we have grandchildren in the next room. Let's do it at 6 o'clock tomorrow night. Hey, it's, next, it's It's within 24 hours, right? Yes. Okay, so our grandkids are listening. I just blew the worst <laughs> illustration in my whole That's life. That's okay. In. They love you.
0: <laughs> it's like coffee, but for your ears, you're listening to Carl and Crew Mornings.
2: So let's get to it with this question. A husband who feels like, how do I take back some authority in marriage? And then he throws in generations of women who've been empowered by the women's movement.
4: Well, you don't take it back. Um, I I think you, with humility, you earn it back. So what I would tell that guy, so when our kids were five and two, my five-year-old drew a picture, our five-year-old, and left me out of the family picture. And we've told that story before. And when I said, where's your dad? She said, you're at the library. Hmm. So Barb was essentially single parenting. And, you know, Carl, you've By the her. way, that's, that's heavy. Word. Those, that's heavy. Well, I mean, I've got the picture right here. And, um, and so it was so convicting. But it took me with a doctorate degree in counseling and, and had just launched a Christian counseling center uh, in Des Moines, Iowa in 1983. And I had three clients. So I did have three clients. But um, <laughs> I didn't tell them there was only three. But I, it took me about 18 months or 20 months to earn my way back in to the place of being a husband and a dad in my own family. And that's with a degree in counseling. So you don't take back authority. What you do is you go low in humility and you serve your way into that sense of connection and trust so that somebody can say, I trust you and your position within our family.
3: And Carl and Allie, what happened in our home was unbelievable. Uh, Gary had written a book on forgiveness. Um, and I was it choosing to love again. I can't remember. Yes. Okay. Anyway. And so when we would have conflict slash fights in our marriage, like every or often many couples, um, I was certainly able to concede. And as soon as Gary said, he was sorry because he'd written the book, he'd drawn the loop. He'd gone through the whole diagnostic thing, but you know, my heart was hard. Hmm. And when you went through your transformation with the King of King and the Lord of Lords, there was something in you. It made my head spin. I couldn't get away from it. I knew I did not have it. And I went through the Bible and I was going, what is it? What is it? What is it? And I found it in Philippians two. And it was the word humility, humility. And Gary, you just said it, Um, the Spirit of God came down through you, through your brokenness of our family and our kids. And um, I'm going to go into Philippians. If you have any encouragement by being united with Christ, any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love. One in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, Mm -hmm. consider others better than yourself. Honestly, I my life was changed because God came down and did a work in you through the spirit of humility. Gary, this verse goes on to say that Christ Jesus humbled Himself to the extent of going to the cross for us. And God exalted him to the highest state. Yeah. And truly, when we bring this spirit of humility, it's the whisper of God in marriage. Okay. That draws Let, us.
1: Let's 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 cut to something really important here because it feels to me like almost every situation that we talk about in marriage, there has to be one or both people that are brought to a point of humility, Hmm. where it's not about them, where they're willing to resign all their ego, all their issues, all their, and
4: that's where intimacy is born. Is it not? Well, it is. In fact, Barb, the the verse four, which you, I mean, you didn't get to, is each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. And I think that's it, Carl, is that we are so self-oriented. We are so self-absorbed. We are so um, I mean, we're so within ourselves yeah. and self-righteous self. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's not that fancy and it sure isn't clinical. Um, and I'm a clinician. So I get to say that what it is, it's a conversion of the heart. And so when a man or a woman, including this guy and in most of our callers today, when there is a conviction in my heart vertically, Allie, and God does the work in me and I'm not looking at Barb, I'm looking at, what God needs to do in me. And then I become interested in what I need to do to serve her as Paul writes to the Philippians. That's where God does the most powerful work. And what we tend to do is we want the shortcuts and we also want some payoff. And we need to listen to the voice of God giving us the payoff. So this guy who's trying to get himself back into a a, a home that has been, uh, had a lot of authority and, and, and there's been confusion about, uh, roles and everything else, what that guy needs to do is do it unto God mm. and let his wife catch it.
3: And serve your way back into serve the home. Serve your way back home. Can I, can I just tell a yep. story yep. real fast? Yep. Um, my father was in refrigeration. My dad was a Marine. And once a Marine, always a Marine. Semper Fi, and thank you for all of you who are serving, by the way, first responders, uh, military, et cetera. But my dad had guns on his arms before dads had guns on their arms. I mean, my dad had strength. He was a strong man. Uh, we knew black and white really well. I mean, we knew right and wrong. Uh, not that we followed it, but we knew it and from our dad. So, but I have to tell you about this man that was a servant leader in our home. Not perfectly, but let me tell you what he did. Before I woke up in the morning, he was making my breakfast so my mom could sleep in. He was shining my shoes oh. like a good Marine. I mean, weekly. He was, if it Scraping snowed, the ice off he'd, your car. he'd go out to my car when I was in high school. He would start my Carmen Ghia and he would uh, take all the snow off the windshield and he would start the windshield wipers. He made sure there was gas in my tank. I'm telling you. When when my dad didn't have to use words about Jesus, he exhibited Jesus. Yeah,
1: see, that's it. He mm-hmm. was a servant yeah. mm-hmm. to our
3: home and to my mother.
1: Yeah, it's beautiful. He took
3: care of my feminine, lovely, intelligent mother.
0: Your spiritual pit stop to keep you going in the race. We're Carl and Crew Mornings. Guys, I got to tell you, I
1: asked the experts, just got a great response from someone. They said, I love, I love everything about the show this morning, and it's extremely powerful. Uh, we pray it is that, and uh, here's here's the truth, guys, helping you take your next step with Jesus. Uh, sometimes the next step is difficult, but you got to keep your eyes on that prize. And that's why we're running this race. We love you. We really do. Dr. Gary and Barbara mm-hmm. Rosberg are with us right now. They are... Great marriage coaches, and we got a keyword for you if you want to find out more about what they have written um, and uh, really uh, get some resources that'll help you. Just text the word marriage. We got a keyword. We decided let's get a keyword.
2: Yes, make it easy for you. Marriage to 312-274-9624. Just text the word marriage.
1: Okay, we got a question here that came in. That's uh, This is so common.
2: Yes, a wife who wants her husband to be connected with other guys. She says in 17 years of our marriage, he's never had one consistent uh, believer, male friend in his life. He goes to church, but he's also not serving it much anymore. He's not leading in the home spiritually, has no accountability to a pastor, or male friend. I've tried to encourage him for years. I don't think he understands how this is affecting us.
4: Yeah, Well, men in isolation uh, are at risk. It doesn't mean that every man that's in isolation messes up, but I do know after 40 years of helping men and marriages that men that are in isolation are at risk. We are not good alone. Uh, I wrote a book called Guard Your Heart, and I look at eight different uh, areas that a man is at risk. And one of those is sexual temptation, but the other seven aren't. (laughs) I mean, it's passivity, it's control, it's competition, it's relationship issues, it's different stressors. And so a man ultimately needs to be in relationship with other guys and that takes time to build those relationships. So in the local church, I mean, Carl, you know, we were talking in between uh, segments here that, I mean, Barb and I are launching something at Glen Ellen uh, Bible, just talking to some other married couples, saying, how can we in that local church stir and motivate marriages to become all that God wants them to be to experience the more in marriage. And part of what we're just stirring is the discussion to get people together to say, you know, what can marriage do? What can guys do? What can gals do in order to connect? Because it's in the intimacy of the connection that that kind of man is going to take the risk to be known. So a guy doesn't just become known. He's got to step into the arena. So I would say to that wife, you know, encourage your husband, invite another couple into your home. Um, spend some time. You can do a study. We've written studies. Other people have written studies to just get into the arena so that he can become, uh, if you will, just open with other guys Mm -hmm. and realize that he's got something to say. Those guys got something to say and they can begin to connect. Yeah. And Carl, the the local, if the local church is not affirming marriage, who the heck is (laughs) because media isn't the culture isn't. I mean, it's crazy. Out there, so it's within the body of Christ that we need to take a strong stand, and and Barb and I call that the great marriage experience. I mean, you can experience a great marriage, and we love to help people learn to do that. The thing is, is that men learned a style of masculinity
1: that we learned in the locker room, or that we yeah. learned um, at a bar, or yeah. we learned from the silence of our own dad. That is the absolute. 180 degree opposite of biblical masculinity. Yes, it is. So how does a man begin to learn there's a lot of men right now, I feel it in my heart right now, listening right now, going, I want to be a good man. I think there's a whole lot of want to out there. Yeah. What would you say is a first step a man would take right now who's listening, going, shoot, if my wife's listening, I'm the dude
4: that's passive.
1: Yeah. I struggle with passivity.
4: Yeah. What do they do, Gary? Well, I, I think there's... Passivity is one of the eight things I write about in Guard Your Heart. And because men are passive for a number of reasons. One is their dad didn't model it. Secondly, the strong assertion by a wife scares a guy. So a guy doesn't step forward because if he steps forward, he doesn't know how to do it. He almost and the steps wife, further back. He steps further back. So a wife needs to step back and let him struggle with it so that he can begin to experience and then affirm the snot out of him when he does take a risk to do something well. I think, bottom line, men need men, Carl. Men need men that will just step into relationship with them. And sometimes that starts at a pancake breakfast at a church. Sometimes that starts by going to a men's conference with Iron Sharpens Iron or these other different opportunities. Just be in the arena with other men and then begin to test the waters on where are guys that could go below the waterline with you to help you begin to discover what God's got for you. Good
0: stuff. Get your info from a source you can trust. It's Ask the Experts Week with Carlin Crew Mornings. Dr. Gary and Barbara Rosberg here. Got
1: a real cool, affirming word for you guys, and I don't need you to respond to this, but I'm just gonna lay it out there. No question, just many thanks, says Patrick and Michelle Sloan. You don't even know them, I guarantee you. But they said since 2016, my husband and I, now married 42 and a half years, hmm. have been blessed to lead over a hundred couples from our church through the Rosberg's Marriage 101 curriculum. <laughs> We've used it to help pre-married couples build a godly marriage foundation. We've used it for what we call marriage boot camp mm. for already married couples who want to refresh and improve their relationships. It works, exclamation point. Oh. Thank you so much, to exclamation points. May God continue to bless the Rosberg's ministry to work through them to build strong, godly families, wow. Patrick and Michelle Sloan. So, may yeah. God
3: bless the Sloanes. Yeah. And may— And he is. Their, and may—yes, and may their tribe increase yeah. in Jesus' name. Right on. Yeah. Yes. Right on. Thank
1: okay, got a question for you guys. This is
3: a tough one. This is
2: a wife texting in because she says her husband has zero desire for intimacy. They've been married five years. They both mm-hmm. acknowledge that this is a problem, but the husband seems reluctant to really do much about it. and The wife is feeling pretty hopeless.
3: Disappointed. Disappoint, and I'm sure both of them are. You know, um, Gary, we have worked uh, with couples much younger mm-hmm. than this, and it could be any number of things. I think about testosterone in men; um, it peaks at a certain point, and I I can't tell you if it's thirty or forty well, or it begins or to 18. wane. Yeah. yeah, well, wane. Oh, it yeah, peaks it's and to wane. wanes. Okay, yeah. And then with women, we have our estrogen, and then testosterone peaks in us. And there's there's variation in the rhythms of our human, our human design, I guess. But you know, we write about this in the Five Love Needs of Men and Women. It's a book we wrote a number of years ago when libidos don't match.
4: Yeah. And also in the five sex needs, so we wrote the book for oh, Tyndale House. Oh, I'm sorry,
3: House. it was the five sex well, needs, yeah. yeah. Sorry,
4: but that came out of the five love needs it did, because yeah. the the number two love need for men is sexual intimacy. Um, now we are happy to report that the number two love or the number thirteen love need for women is sexual intimacy. We're just glad it made the list, and um, <laughs> because there was a Florida State study where sex came in thirty seventh for pleasure for men, just beating out sewing.
3: No, for for, for, for women, women. Yeah. or for women. Oh, yes. yeah, that was a good yeah. joke. Anyway, well, that da, really da, 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 happened.
4: Da. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. something yeah. like that. I mean, okay, uh, let's start over. <laughs> so, I do encourage that. I would encourage that couple. They could go to americasfamilycoaches.com or go to uh, Amazon. Amazon. Um, and get the book, The Five Sex Needs oh, of Men yeah. and Women. Oh, yeah,
3: yeah. And The Five Sex Needs of Men and Women, the subtitle is How to Have Great Sex, sex in, in a, a godly, godly Marriage. marriage. Mm-hmm. And there is even an audio that we read. We came and a video. in here. No, but okay, We have a 12-part video, Carl. Please. Now, is that awesome? You want to
1: smack him upside the head there, but A 12-part
4: video. Yeah, I do, Gary. That we shot Gary, here in Chicago. Eye
3: contact, right here, but right it, back to me. But it's got,
4: <laughs> here's what I'm saying to that couple, Allie. It's got very little to do with sex. Yeah. And so we have one chapter in the book, uh, Fun and Exciting Things in the Bedroom. It's chapter 15. It's the first chapter everybody reads. But the rest of the book is all about connection. But
3: we also talked about when libidos don't match. When
4: libidos don't match. Yeah. Yeah.
3: And and I'm I'm jumping in here because somebody really needs to know this. I mean, have they checked it out with the doctor? Oftentimes, one of the the spouses is um, feeling very insecure about this. And might be isolated, might be living in a silo, might feel like they're not uh, worthy. And here's the thing. Sex isn't about he, and it's not about she. It's a we issue. Yeah. It's to be shared. And when we can unpack it, say, talking to a physician, uh, talking about a caring, compassionate counselor, to understand what's going on. Is there, are there root issues? But to unpack it with gentleness and love and have someone that can step in and guide the conversation that knows what they're doing. Uh,
1: you know, I, I'm something that uh, I felt prompted to share many years ago to Family Life Marriage Conference that my wife and I were speaking at that I want to, I feel prompted to share right now is that a lot of women have a perspective of men that they, and this is a little later warning here, guys. Um that they only, guys just want sex. Mm-hmm. I, I need to say something on behalf of Godward men, imperfect but Godward men. I feel like crying. I might cry saying this, mm-hmm. but I need you to hear this. Your husband may not tell you this, but a Godward man, even an imperfect Godward man, mm-hmm. who's a God chaser, who loves the Lord with his whole heart, his greatest delight is to see his wife fulfilled yeah. in intimacy. Yeah. Yeah. And that is no joking. Yeah. And it's, it's I, wa- I just want to speak for the men that maybe have never shared that part of their voice, that that is what they love.
4: And you just knowing that might loosen something that has seized you up. Well, Carl, we surveyed 600 couples for the five sex needs of men and women in eight geographical areas of where we were on syndicated radio. And we asked what are the top sex needs. For men, the number one sex need of six hundred couples was mutual satisfaction. Okay, see, there you go. And, and that, started, that doesn't get talked about. No, and we started calling some of the respondents going, What do you mean? And and here's essentially what we learned is that guys want to be good at everything. They want to and and they want to see careful here, Carl, but
1: I'm gonna be clear. They want to see that woman. Absolutely, pleasured. Yes, and it's healthy.
4: Well, that's the number one sex scene for men. Yeah,
1: and, and it, it, <laughs> but 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 uh, the word on the street is no.
4: It's no. all about them. You're not right. with a Godward man. Yeah, not with a Godward man. And so, a man wants to know, and which means that a wife's affirmation and esteem and encouragement and uh, is so powerful to a man that will draw a man into that physical intimacy because a guy feels inadequate. We feel inadequate at just about everything we do. And that goes back to Shanti Felden and what we talked about in the first hour is that most men feel inadequate. So when a guy does, whether it's putting up the, the light deal or in the physical intimacy within the marital bed, what a guy wants to know is he is adequate and that there's appreciation. It's, it's, you're on to it. I mean,
0: it's strong and it is really, really true. Coming to you live from the Morningstar Mission Sponsored Studios, this is Carl and Crew Mornings on 90.1 FM Moody Radio. Oh,
1: we got some good questions coming in here, one I can't wait to get to. We got one teed up, though, right now.
2: Oh, boy, this is a tough one. There was infidelity in a marriage 18 years ago. The husband has confessed. He's repented by the grace of God. The marriage is still going strong, but the wife still brings it up from time to time and lashes out and there's pain. He really desires to help her Mm -hmm. kind of heal this wound that still gets reopened.
1: Dr. Gary and Barb Rosberg with
4: us here asking the experts. All right. What do you guys say? Well, I go to Philippians, too. Uh, Starting in verse 12, not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what's behind, I strain forward to what's ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And when I look at the word forgetting, Carl and Allie, it, it doesn't mean that, oops, it doesn't mean that our mind forgets it. It means that we put it aside. And so the great news for that couple is that the guy was convicted, the guy confessed, they have built a great marriage, they've restored it. But some people, um, they take forgiveness, and they think that they forgive and they forget, and that's a myth. You don't forget. So, and this may sound counterintuitive, but what Barb and I coach couples whether it's on radio or in books or in small groups, is that you don't forget. In fact, you intentionally go back to revisit it for a couple different reasons. One is it validates that it happened. Yes, that's really good. And what has God taught us since that time? So when this gal goes to the guy and goes, something is stimulating this and triggering this memory, and I'm remembering it, I need to process it with you again. What I would coach them to do is to learn to move beyond the resentment but go back to the hurt because the hurt is a primary emotion that is vulnerable that they experience with the betrayal. That is legitimate to go back to. Now, if there's resentment, that's sin, and that means that she's got some work to do in order to release that Resentment and that bitterness, as Paul instructs us to do. But if it's hurt and revisiting what happened, that's a good thing to do. And and his willingness
1: to go back to that event. Yes. And to say, you know what? I can totally I I can't understand everything you're feeling, but I can understand the hurt that I've caused you. Validating it again might open the
4: door for her to finally let it go again. And he doesn't, Carl, need to say. I'm sorry, again, because there's no uh, future yeah, ought. Yeah, right. But he can experience sorrow about it. So he can be sorry, but it's not as if he has done something that he needs to seek forgiveness again. And, and that sounds heavy-handed in a way. Uh, but if he walks in humility and he walks in godliness and God-word, as you said, um, for men, I think, you know what, that's a, this is a great marriage, Allie. This isn't a bad, this is, that guy ought to be preaching. I mean, because that guy is Livia, That's really the good. work that God did in his life, and oh. they've got a lot to win.
3: And, you know, maybe you are a listener, and today uh, it's as though uh, male or female, it doesn't make any difference. Uh, Satan may be wanting to wallpaper your mind with the sin of your past. What do you do? Well, I think if you even say it out loud in your car, whether you're driving or at home, you know what? I've made mistakes. I have sinned. But I belong to Jesus. I belong to Jesus. I belong to Jesus, and Lord, I surrender my life to you. Mm. Yeah. We need to all be free.
1: Yeah, that so. wallpaper in your mind with truth is an analogy my bride uses all the time, and it is so true because what we're thinking about today will yep. be lived out in our life tomorrow. Yeah, that's yep. good, and we we need to work on that. I've got. Uh, let's go lightning round here. We have got a lot of questions coming in again. Ask the experts week to this week. And uh, Dr. Gary and Barbara Osberg are with us. If you want resources from them, just text the word marriage to 312-274-9624. Marriage to 312-274-9624. I just had to, I, just, I saw this one here, alley. I've got to ask him. If sex is so low on a woman's interest list, why do they spend so much time reading romance novels? and yet have a low interest in loving their husband in the way they're even reading about? I love this question. You guys ready for it? We are. Let's go.
3: We spell it differently. For a woman, we spell it communication. We spell it T-A-L-K. Intimacy is talk. For a man, intimacy, we spell it. How do you spell it?
4: Sex, Barb. yeah, sex. Yeah.
3: So here's well, the you thing: is it beautiful? Is it beautiful that we in, in this beautiful God design that we complement each other? Yeah. We don't need to compete. We don't need to compare. But you know how beautiful it is when a one of you in the marriage uh, brings forth the ability to communicate, articulate, share your thoughts, your uh, your your beauty, and the other one. Uh, make sure it's transactional. I mean, or it goes back and forth. Gary, save yeah. me on this. Well,
1: <laughs> but what's interesting here, guys? Remember when, when Dub and Gary and Barb and Janan and I spoke t- together for yeah. a season with Family Life uh, weekends to remember and i we would i remember one speaker i forget who i was speaking with and he was he was doing the intro for the first night and he said some of you men are thumbing through your manual going now where's the where's that chapter on sex when do we get to that session and he said we've renamed it intimacy mm. you won't find the sex talk but you will find intimacy yeah. talk. and usually the women are like yes hundreds of women just cheering Because it's, it's different. And, and what they taught us in a locker room, man, was a bunch of that stuff, garbage. What the word of God indicates, you look at the song of Solomon, you, you see a guy fixated on the woman. Not on the act. Mm-hmm. And that changes everything, doesn't yeah. it, guys?
4: Yeah, it does. And, and Carl, when I, you know, I mean, when I just, when you tee up the issue of romance, romance was one of the top five sex needs of women. So that needs to be a cue for us as men. And most of us are romantically challenged. I mean, I wrote that for the I Still Do deal uh, that we did at Family Life. I wrote that chapter for um, Dennis Rainey on being a romantic romantically challenged man, because we need instruction on how to romantically connect to our wife. Now, romance doesn't equate to sex, but romance sets the stage, not within that moment or within that evening even, but a man that is paying attention to his wife's romance needs, because when those needs are being met through a novel or something else, if that's ancillary to the relationship, I guess that's fine. But the primary need needs to be met within a marriage. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny.
1: The, the, the first time I learned this as a young man in marriage and I stumbled upon, I can't even say I knew it, but I stumbled on it. And I, I'd heard a talk of guy telling men, men, you know what? Intimacy comes in the funniest ways. Yeah. And I, and I took what he, he said as a young married man. And, uh, my wife had some couple of pots that had some stuff really burned onto the bottom of that thing and needed to be really some elbow grease. And I'm scrubbing away on this pot. And all of a sudden my wife comes by me and swats me on the bottom. (laughs) And I said, what's that? And she goes, I love it when you scrub my pots. <laughs> and I'm like, from that point on for a few years. Yeah, you were washing pots. would ask me, where are you at? I'm about to do your <laughs> pots, baby. i well, got your
4: pots covered. Well, for Barb, it was vacuuming.
3: But so you know what it was. It I love it when you vacuum. It it is at, when I so I plug in, in the vacuum yeah.
4: and Barb thinks it's sexy. Uh, I, <laughs> I, I,
3: I pull in the garage, and the vacuum's on.
4: I'm vacuum. Oh, yeah, oh,
1: yeah, you got the vacuum going.
3: Yeah, but here's the thing. Go home and ask your wife. Your wife is the expert. Get the true facts about your wife. What cranks from her up? Wife. Absolutely. Yeah, there you go. What yeah. can I do in order to be a more loving husband to you. Carl, I love that you described Song of Solomon. He describes, he describes the woman that he loves. He just describes it. Read it, guys. Get your get your your coaching I, from the Bible. I'm
1: glad you're not. I thought you were going to start reading passages right now <laughs> because I'll tell you what, that's
4: that Woo! Yeah, yeah. a lot of guys are going back the home. They won't be going to work. Yeah. Wives novel. will be circling on the highway yourself. I, l- I love when it writes. He's describing it,
1: and it's like a palm tree, and then he says, I'm going to climb that That palm tree. tree. (laughs) Yeah, And take hold of its cluster. Yeah, all right. Now, Gary, I was leaving that out.
0: (laughs) Giving hope directly from the source. We're Carl and Crew Mornings.
1: Ask the Experts Week. Dr. Gary and Barbara Osberg with us. You want more content from them. One-stop shop, text word marriage to 312-274-9624, 312-274-9624.
2: We spend Christmas with your family. Why can't we spend the next holiday with mine? Does that sound familiar? How do you handle uh, a wife who does not want to spend time with the husband's side of the family? Everything, all of the special occasions tend to shift her way and when it comes time for his family they just don't seem to get a turn on the rotation. Oh,
3: I I'm going to go back to what Gary said earlier in Philippians chapter 2 verse 4. Each of you should look not only to your own interests mm-hmm. but also to the interest of others. In marriage, we are iron sharpening iron. We are one another's closest friend. We are to love God and love people. And in marriage we we kind of need to shave off some of those early perceived ideas, though you may get along, you may be more comfortable with one side of the family. But if someone is continually sacrificing, I think it's time to share with a tender heart and kindness, Gary, don't yeah, you? I do, too. I, I mean, mean, it's yeah. important in marriage for oneness and unity. And I just invited you in. So please.
4: Well, the economy in that relationship is out of kilter. And so the sacrificial thing to do, if, if you know, we could whisper into that woman's ear and the guy wasn't listening, we'd say, be the first one to initiate, of course, for this birthday, of course, for this Thanksgiving, of course, for this Christmas. Let's change this thing up so that we involve your family. Otherwise, there's going to be bitterness, there's going to be resentment. Mm-hmm. And you know what? Marriage, especially a long-term marriage, Again, Barb and I will celebrate 48 years on June 7th. And you don't want to get to the 7th, 8th, 9th inning of marriage and have that kind of isolation because we need all of our family, especially when they're healthy and they desire to be with us. We need to put aside our interests and really serve others. When a couple's coming together,
1: because we have some young couples listening right now and they're brand new. And, uh, you know, often one of the biggest mothers of all fights my bride and I had was our first Christmas. And believe it or not, it revolved around how much tinsel went on the tree. Mm -hmm. And it's, (laughs) but she was raised that, you know, tinsel. Tinsel rocked. Yeah. You you throw slush balls on the tree. (laughs) I was raised tinsel is supposed to simulate ice. But what I'm saying is we bring these totally different expectations and traditions together. What should a couple do when they're bringing those together? How do they begin to process? What are we keeping? What are we pitching? How does that
4: work? I think it takes time, Carl. I I think when we are other-centered and we say, of course, you like a lot of tinsel, let's put a lot of tinsel. And when we set the pace for that, the other person is likely going to be more responsive to saying, but what do you like? It may not be the first year or the second year or the third year, but when we are other-centered and we're willing to to win the big ones, and let go of the smaller ones, uh, and say, of course, we want to be with your family. Um, and But, you know what, can we reciprocate in this next visit so that we also expand it? it? It's got to be, and it's not bargaining, it's not negotiating, it's really learning to serve one another and to put another person's interest first.
3: Gary, you've always said that, and in recent years, you have said this. That our role, your yours and mine, is to prepare one another for heaven. Yeah. And if it's a matter of giving up the the whole idea about the way that tinsel's put on, then give it up. I have been in Carl and June Ann's home. We have at Christmas time. We have seen your Christmas tree. That was a rocking Christmas <laughs> tree. I have brother. never seen a more beautiful tree. I think they
4: came from Macy's or. With
3: that. more <laughs> elegant. Yeah. Tinsel. <laughs> no, and, and it's amazing you'd bring that up because it took my breath away. Do I, I have, have a witness? You I got a witness. I have not seen tinsel uh, since I was a child. Yeah. And it, it just pulled out everything childlike and wonderment in my soul. Yeah. Oh. Thank you for letting June Ann have her way because it was glorifying to the Lord in my heart. Beauty is part of the gifts that God gives to yeah. us to give to one another. Let's give those gifts of beauty. Mm.
0: You've got questions, they've got answers. It's Ask the Experts Week with Carl and Crew Mornings. With us, Dr. Gary and Barb Rosberg. You can find great content,
1: not only books that they've written, but articles, group studies, you name it, at One Stop Shop. Text word MARRIAGE to 312-274-9624. The word MARRIAGE to 312-274-9624. I'm chuckling because Allie got three questions pretty close together. Um, they have a common thread, Allie, Give it to us again.
2: My husband seems to think everything revolves around himself. Another question. When my husband needs to make a big decision, it doesn't feel like my opinion matters. The third one, our marriage goes well as long as my husband gets his way. There's a there's at least three women who are feeling a little uh, overlooked and like they don't have a voice in their own marriage. What do you say?
4: You you know, I, I don't think it starts with trying to rectify the big things. Um, John Gottman, who's an esteemed researcher and is what most of us as marriage uh, counselors and coaches, we follow his research, he and Julie. And uh, Gottman says that a relationship changes through small moments. Uh, John Trent calls them um, one and two degree changes, exponential changes, vector changes. Uh, Another, uh, Jerry Foster calls it. When we make change and we have small moment changes, that will begin to build the connection for the, those three women that are writing that. So I don't think now's the time to say, you know, quit your job, move to Alaska, uh, you know, say mush in the Iditarod, Carl, <laughs> as you did. Um, yeah. But what it means is you start to look at the small things and start to engage connection around those so that you begin to build a sense of of trust with that relationship. And then you move up to the big things because all three of those situations, those guys are violating. I think the covenant of marriage. Um, when we just run slip shot, we run solo. We really run the risk of wounding.
3: Gary, we often talk about triggers that uh, yeah. we can bring into the marriage, and they can be different for uh, different you oh, know different people in the marriage. Well, I would say that in both or all three of these, it triggers a sense of powerlessness. Yeah, and so in order to sense where who has the power. Well, you do if you own it with Christ, because Christ sees you, he hears you, he knows you, he cares about you. And if I were in your shoes or when I have been in your shoes in 48 years with a lot of variation of life experiences with my marriage and my family, I go to God and it's like I just puke it out. I tell him everything that's on my heart. I name everything. I just gut it out. I write it down. I write it down. I write it down. I may tear up that piece of paper, but I keep writing until I get it all out of my heart. Because ultimately, I can own the power to change if I realize that I have responsibility before the Lord yeah. in my heart, in my actions, in my thoughts, in my thinking. And then when I realize I am aligned with Christ, I guard my heart. I guard it with what I say, with what I do. I pray in the name of Jesus for self-regulation because it's easy to step in and out of a a self-regulated life. It doesn't have to be about someone else. You don't have to point the finger. In Isaiah, it talks about when you take that finger and quit quit pointing at others. I think this is in Isaiah Twenty thirty or thirty twenty, it says that you will hear a voice behind you once you quit pointing the finger. And I might be confusing the verses, but you will hear a voice behind you saying, "This is the way walk."
1: It. Walk in it. Yeah. Uh, interesting thing here, and I think it, I think we need to hit this before we go to news. Um, I've had a lot of men tell me, and they love to look at any passage that refers to the man as the head of the home, mm. but with Spiritual authority comes a greater weight of spiritual responsibility. Oh, my. Absolutely. And the responsibility, I always point men to this, and I want you to comment on this because I want to talk to men here for about a minute and a half. A man that claims authority, stop dead in your tracks and look first at the responsibility which is given to us in Ephesians by God that a man must love his wife as... Christ loved the church. Hmm. Generally speaking, guys that are hungry for authority aren't hungry for responsibility. I want you to hit a man where he's at right now about that need for humbling himself and getting with the program on the responsibility factor
4: of being a man. Well, well, I think when a man and a a woman wrestle for that role, Carl, um, a woman who desires to please God and to follow the scripture... And we're talking about uh, the difference between a man and a woman when Paul addresses that in Ephesians. Um, a woman that sees a man that is sold out, that is willing to take that responsibility, she feels secure. Yeah, yeah. It so changes that everything. It changes everything. And it just as he understands the, the reality of that responsibility unto God, I mean, I shared that in a small group recently, and and a person said, well, Gary, you're more complementarianism than you are egalitarian. And this person said, my wife's always wanted me to lead, but I don't want to lead because she's a better leader. And I said, she may be a better leader, but that's not God's prescribed role. I mean, this is hard, but it is so simple when we realize that God has set aside a husband with a sense of responsibility, that is weighty, Carl. It's And it's impossible
1: apart yeah. from the power of God and yeah. really the power of the Holy Spirit and to, to the love spirit his of God. wife. Yes, yes it, yes, it yes. is. The
4: funny thing about As Christ loves the church. No. Jesus didn't flex authority. No. He
0: showed responsibility. And he went low in servanthood. Yeah, right on. New to the show? We're glad you're here. You're listening to Carl and Crew Mornings.
1: Dr. Gary and Barb Rosberg are with us here today. Uh, we're doing Ask the Experts. We've just got a few minutes left, but we're gonna fire hose it. Here we go.
2: I love this question from somebody who desires to remarry. They've raised two boys as a single mom. How do I get found by a good man, this lovely woman says? I
3: think a lot of singles are asking this question, Uh, and it's not gender-driven. It's male-female. Oh, yeah. And uh, we did radio for so many years, and I remember, Gary, I think it was Neil Clark Warren that wrote some material on writing a list, or it was Steve Arterburn, it was one or the other, of must-haves and can't-stands. And at any point when you have that sense of clarity that if you could ask God for someone that you could love well and would maybe you have shared interests uh, in certain areas or a person that uh, loves the Lord like you love the Lord, or you name your list, write down what your must-haves are, and then you could also make a list of can't-stands. So if, if Mr. Wrong walks into your life, that you've you've got the credibility, that you've done the work before beforehand yep. because our emotions can lead us into wrong territories. Mm-hmm. And so I don't care what age or stage you're at, this could be a beginning point for you. Gary, what would you add?
4: Well, the other thing I would say, I would say to men and women alike is to open your eyes as well as open up your heart. When we have a no face, then you know what? We're not approachable. When we have a yes face, then we are more apt to connect with people that are similarly passionate about Christ. And Barb, I mean, you, you just touched on it, but when, whether it's a 17-year-old or a 70-year-old is asking me about love, or asking me about potential, or how do you find a mate? And it was Neil Clark Warren Barb, I think, that wrote about that uh, with um, must-haves and can't-stands. What I invariably say is you go with humility to the foot of the cross you go with humility to the foot of the cross and you look on your left and you look on your right. And if that gal or that guy is there, that is the core of establishing a potential relationship.
1: Yeah. You know, I, 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 I was, this is, this is interesting because having been a pastor to 500 single adults at one time, mm-hmm. I had women ask Janann and I all the time, where's the beef? Mm. Where's the stud muffins yeah. out there? And the only thing I could give them that's ever helped has been a variation of what you just said. We're called to run this race. M- invariably, men or women that are standing in one spot looking for love never find the right person. Mm. But when they're running toward the cross of yeah. Jesus yeah. and they look up and they see someone else running stride go. for stride mm. with mm. them, that's it. someone yeah. that you can spend yeah. the rest of your life yeah. with. Yeah. So right on. I love that analogy. That's and it, and right if, on.
4: Well, I, I probably got it from you, Carl. And so <laughs> if we're not running towards that cross, and if we're not humble before that cross, and that person's not there, we're not going to convert them, you know, in our image to that passionate no. type of follower of Christ. So the ultimate issue, and Ali, it goes back to something an hour ago. I mean, it's not the horizontal, it's the vertical. Yeah. It always is. It's the vertical. It's always that. Which gives us far more, I think, power and authority. Yeah. Because God can do a work. So when a guy goes, I got a messed up marriage, I go, well, tell me about your relationship with Christ. He goes, well, I don't want to talk about that, Doc. I want to mm. talk about my marriage. I go, well, we'll talk about <laughs> your marriage later. Let's talk about <laughs> you. And then let's talk about the spouse. And when they are both pursuing Christ, remarkable Katie, things can bar happen. Katie, by the door,
0: look out you've got questions they've got answers it's ask the experts week with carlin crew mornings okay we got time for a couple more here ali
2: yeah this one's from a wife who's active and the husband used to do all the things rode bikes took some bike weekend trips she says now he won't even walk the dog to the park with me it's disappointing because he, i'm like to be active and he sits 95 percent of his day and night there's a lot of Pain and some disconnect here. Let's let Dr. Gary and Barb weigh
4: in. (laughs) Well, I mean, in some ways that sounds really complex. So there could be medical issues. There could be depression. uh, There could be uh, him sensing that he's not valuable in many ways. So that's 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 big. His masculinity could be shattered somehow. So all of those things are very, very real, and they probably need to be paid attention to. I can tell you what Barb Rosberg does. So um, we ride bikes and we have these e-bikes. Uh, so a little plug for Pedego e-bikes, electric bike, (laughs) and Barb will put on her helmet, put her hair in a ponytail, look so stinking cute, you know, (laughs) stick the dog on the back in that little basket and, um, give me that wink and just kind of draw me into it. And there, you know, I, I might want to be watching the Cubs or something, but it's pretty irresistible. So, I think it starts with the small moments that John Gottman talked about. I I think it starts with, you know, let's walk up to the mailbox together. Let's, you know, take, you know, the dog for one time. And by the way, we're going to stop and get an ice cream cone on the way. I mean, do something to kind of sweeten the pot of the connection and then celebrate and affirm and bless the one thing. Because I'll bet you, as much as that woman is desiring, I bet you he is doing some things. I bet she's doing some. Yeah. So catch him doing the things right and affirm him for the right things. You might see more of those right things.
1: Yeah. And, and, men, although I, and I don't mean this in a way that men are just, uh, you know, we just grunt and spit and need a little affirmation. <laughs> but the fact no. is, um, a little bit of
4: aff- catching a man doing something right, catching him a doing right, powerful thing. It is because most of us believe that we're not doing much right and especially if we are isolated or we are, are not active in the workplace or active in church or active in other places. It, it doesn't take long for a guy to erode into a sense of isolation. And so drawing him out rather than pushing him out is many times the way you how, how much do you think this is related to the times that we live
1: in? Because masculinity has taken a huge hit. There's Absolutely. been a redefinition of masculinity, and it's almost like biblical masculinity is passe in our dominant culture today, but biblical masculinity, ironically, is the thing every good
4: woman wants.
1: So it's kind of, there's a standoff. What do you say to that?
4: Well, I believe that real change, Carl, starts with the man. Um, Amen. Yeah. It, 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 starts with the man. <clears throat> and I in some of your listeners in 1997 were at soldier field, uh, for promise keepers. <clears throat> and, I brought Barb and our daughters up on the platform and I was speaking on the husband, the role of the husband and the dad and then opened up the scripture and read John 13 when Jesus went to Peter and he washed his feet and I washed Barb's feet and Sarah's feet and Missy's feet in front of 45,000 guys or whatever that were in that room. Um, And guys still write and come up to me and they say, I forgot your name, but you're the guy that did that. I said, no, Jesus was the guy that did that. <laughs> and so I hope that they saw right past me. Because it's it's as complex, but it is often as simple as that. Yeah. And when we lower ourselves to be more like him, and we model that in the, the silent places when nobody's looking. When nobody's looking and we we just do that unto him unto the father it's remarkable the change that can happen in a family great word
0: giving hope directly from the source we're Carl and Crew Mornings
2: one final question for our experts today Gary and Barb Rosberg this came in from a wife who's in a lot of pain 30 years my husband's been an alcoholic refuses to get help but he says for better or for worse we should stay together
3: i have a question Have you both gotten down on your knees and surrendered all the pain, all the passages, all the mistakes, all the sins in your marriage to God? Because it's going to take truly a miracle. And when we stand back and we surrender it to God and we we know we have no hope and we've got it out, it's amazing what God can do. Maybe it'll be the beginning of a great story for
1: you. And getting on your knees with your man may be the thing that gets the bottle out of his hand. Mm. Mm. It might be. Yeah,
4: mm. yeah. No, I I, I agree. It's. Uh, I mean, that's a complex question. Oh my word! And do they need help in doing that? Absolutely. If it's got that kind of long standing, but, but, but God, yeah. And a thirty-year marriage is a terrible thing. To walk away from yeah what a waste guys I got to tell you
1: we've just scratched the surface here even though you've been here for a few hours but from the bottom of our heart we really want to thank you today our honor yeah we're not done yet guys we'll tell you what's coming up tomorrow whole week of ask the experts hey this is Carl with Carl and crew and I'm so grateful that you listen to this showcast Thank you mostly for being part of the Boom Crew. As we help you take your next step with Jesus, you're a huge encouragement to us. We'll be here again live every weekday morning from 5 to 9 a.m. Godspeed.